This is Ashley Kalsh, and you are listening to Life Coaching for Modern Renegades, episode number 44. Welcome to Modern Renegades Podcast. This is a life coaching podcast for the person who wants to learn how to lose themselves in the moment, not life circumstances. Each week, we will explore mental and spiritual practices that will inspire you to ask, seek, and heal. They are for the modern renegade. They are for you. Renegades, this week the tables are turned and I'm being interviewed by Paige Presley. Paige is a chef, media producer, bachelorette contestant, and my ex-boyfriend, which is the most interesting of all the titles in my opinion. You may remember him as the Boy Scout. Anyway, we sat down at the end of June to catch up and talk about parenting, being an entrepreneur, and what to do when your friends and other people are talking about you behind your back. I have to say, I had a lot of fun having somebody else ask me the questions and kind of give you a little insight to who I am. I hope you enjoy it. Until next week. Let's start with where you're from, where you grew up, and let's do a not too granular story because obviously we can get you know bogged down in a lot of details. Yeah, no one cares anymore. Um, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But you know, we, I mean, you've lived a pretty prolific life, so you know. Well, that's a long story. It's right? a very long story. It's a long story that ends here with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born in right North before Dakota. the murder. <laughs> Turn off the cameras. <laughs> I was born. Keep, keep rolling. Keep rolling. <laughs> I was born in North Dakota, and I only lived there probably like my first five years of life. Only person still that I've ever met. A lot of people in that. Texas, they're constantly like, I've "Never met anyone from North Dakota." No. I don't know why. Maybe it's like a. Um... You know, similar to like the uh, the land of entrapment thing that we know about. I mean, with New Mexico, where it's mm-hmm. like it's just like so few people actually make it out alive. Oh, yeah. Well, and I feel well. Be, so I moved fifteen times in twelve years. That was just schools. I went to fifteen schools in twelve <laughs> years, and then I went to Seattle and then Hawaii and then came here. I really feel like anyone I talk to at any given moment, I've lived somewhere they've lived. Yeah. But I haven't hit the East Coast. Anyway, I was really good enough to know what it is, and that <laughs> you know, it's too cold. It's super cold. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I could sum up my life right here with this queso because I... I'm so excited for this analogy. <laughs> Bring it on. I really thought that my mom invented queso. Oh, that's right. God. I did. And it wasn't... And it was the highlight of like... When I was living with her and my friends always wanted to stay with my mom and at mm-hmm. her house. She was the cool mom. And she would make us queso. And I knew what it was made of, but I was... I feel like she even told me that she invented the recipe, like it was her recipe. Well, sure. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s, and I have a long history of my mother being not the perfect mother. She was not Betty Crocker. She was, sure. Who was the act? What was the movie? Also, the insinuation <laughs> that Betty Crocker was the perfect mother. I don't know. Is I just probably. I don't know why correct. I just went with her. I, I think she's actually just responsible for a lot of diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> and a really nice like gingham cookbook that yeah. read plaid like. Which about five years ago got wildly overused in the restaurant business. Surprising I didn't reference Martha Stewart because she's like my dream. Yeah. Um, really nice lady, by the way. I met her in Miami. Um, she, we were standing in the same line um, at the spa. Is this pre-prison or post? Uh, post. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and I was there with my ex-wife. Um, and we were just hanging out in line at the Fountain Blue, going to the spa. As you do. And we're like, we're taking a picture, doing the whole selfie thing. And then this lady turns around and is like, hey, let me take a picture of you. 
And it's fucking Martha Stewart. <laughs> I would die with like, not us, you and me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Are you seeing? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, roll up my tongue. Yeah. What are the chances? So nice. I love that story. Damn it. That's good. Anyhow, continue. My mother wasn't the no wires hanger mother, but maybe it could have been a little bit of no wire hangers. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it wasn't until my twenties. I don't know. I was in Hawaii probably having a mom moment where I was like, Oh, I'm going to do for my kids what my mom did for me and make queso Yeah. and grab the Velveeta and grabbed the Rotel and then saw on the back of the Rotel, the recipe for queso. Yes. And I, in the store, in that Safeway on Honopi'ilani Highway, I was like, oh. that's a fucking sad moment. Oh, I was crushed. I was oh like, of God. all the lies and this, all of the damage you've ever done, yeah, this is it. This is it. <laughs> this is the okay. final straw for me. Um, so this, this is summed it up for me. I never eat queso. Rough order on my part. I actually, shortly thereafter, was like, I'm lactose intolerant. It's so funny. I'm putting this all together now. Yeah. Like, I didn't touch dairy for like 15 years. Yeah. Was it a part? Was it subconscious? I don't know. Yeah. But I'm trying this now. It's yeah. quite delicious. You're in entirely intolerant of the experience of queso. <laughs> totally. That's for fucking true. It's a traumatic thing. Do you think they use Velveeta in this? Uh, it's probably off-brand, I would imagine. But that's the thing, right? Is that oh, yeah. the kind of cheese people mm. use? Mm. Yeah, 100%. So, so it started in North Dakota, mm -hmm. and then New Mexico. Arizona, actually. Arizona, mm -hmm. New Mexico. Colorado. Colorado. Mm -hmm. Back to New Mexico? A little back and forth there? There was some back and forth between Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, back up to North Dakota, back down to Colorado. God bless. Back up to Montana, back down to Colorado, then New Mexico. What a weird set of, like, like kind of humanless places <laughs> to have shaped your early existence, you know? Yeah. Interesting. And when I think back to when I was younger, I was, I was a complete tomboy. Yeah. And I was, uh, I just wanted I to be that, outside. I find that so interesting because you're so effeminate now. And you haven't even heard the news yet. I was referred to as sir this weekend. Stop. I was, and it was actually really funny. What but kind also of men like, are walking around with tits like that? Unfortunately, I was in my linen overalls, which don't do much for my shape, but I was sitting down also, and I really felt like this has to be the most interesting moment. Also, what man wears linen overalls? <laughs> <laughs> they're, so, they're so nice looking. I was really, I don't know if it was location, environment, shaved head, just a quick yeah. glance. Um, my dad does like to make it clear that I do look very much like a man right now. Mm. I was like, even with... My mascara? Mm -hmm. That's cool. I wasn't offended, but yeah. I definitely was like, yeah, probably. I probably do. I, I know my features, so whatever. Yeah, I mean, you have strong features, but I mean, um, that, that, that's, that's neither here nor, I don't know. That's, well, it played well into my, I was definitely like a complete tomboy growing up. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to hang out with my brother and his friends. He was five years older. I wanted to run around and play with them and try to keep up. And I was, he didn't want me around, of course. Um, but we were just like a bunch of little hooligans running the streets. That's I was climbing one. trees. I was trying to jump out of trees to break my leg. I really wanted a cast. Um, you really wanted a cast. I wanted a cast. I wanted, I wanted attention. I was the girl in line at school when they were like checking for scoliosis. I was mm. like, save me, save me, save me. I think, I think it's cause like you would get attention then at home. They're like, oh, you're not well. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise it was like, go outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that That's was sort of. 
that was sort of my thing. That was like play with the boys, be with the boys. Yeah. And um, I don't think I really realized later like that transition of, um, you know, I don't know. I think I thought I might have been a part of a Me Too movement before I even I was like, what do I have to do to be in the club? Oh, yeah. you, OK, you I just lift my shirt. Yeah. Cool, bro. Cool. Great. <laughs> like, at, you know, I was like seven. Yeah. What's it going to take? Didn't really understand. And That's then, funny. and then I think also always just kind of want to be like one of the guys and hang yeah. out with the guys as you, as I grew up and became more feminine looking, mm -hmm. um, I didn't really catch on to what that transition was sort of like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When, when did you feel like your like external sexual identity became something that you had to reckon with on a daily basis? Oh, my thirties. Oh, interesting. Uh huh. Huh. Mm-hmm. What? I never. That's surprising to me. I've never seen myself that way. I've never looked like I never looked at myself and thought um, attractive, pretty, mm -hmm. sexual. I was certainly the world has though. I've heard it a lot, but I've never understood it. Okay. And I also know that I. Um, I think yeah, there was just this. I didn't want. I didn't understand it. I just wanted to hang out and be normal and hang out with the guys. Yeah. And. I really wanted, I remember also like my body wasn't like the other girls. I was yeah. pretty skinny and my legs, the tops of my thighs didn't touch. And I like, I would just stand at the pool and be so embarrassed thinking like, I just want my thighs to like come together at the top. Little did you know that. Well, now they like clap when I sit down. I'm like, I got it. I got it. <laughs> you're, you're here together. Good news. <laughs> Table for two. Yeah, totally. <laughs> But it was all of that. Like I was like, I was like praying for my period. Yeah. I wanted to like have some of those feminine things at one point. So mm -hmm. that was maybe when I started to cue in, like, I do want to look like the other girls. I yeah. want to kind of be a part of that. Yeah. Um, but never, I didn't sexualize or feel sexy or even consider being that way until probably in my thirties. Okay. So how would you feel like if you were to like distill down some of the ways that your, I guess, formative years shaped you, shaped like the essence of you as you view yourself, right? As, as, as a human being, as a mother, um, as a professional, right? Mm -hmm. what, what would those things be in your estimation? I have, you know, becoming a mother as, early, as young as I did, that, mm -hmm. that quickly shaped who I decided I would be. Mm -hmm. I was such, I was a partier in high school and I really didn't have an idea of what direction I was going to go. And getting pregnant was like an immediate, you're going to, you're going to get your shit together. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to yeah. be a mother and mothers. And I had this idea of what I thought a mother would be like, mm -hmm. which, um, was based on what I didn't have. So, so just like it's opposite day. every day. Yeah. 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 And this, and then that was like, okay, so if you're going to be a mother and you're home with your kids, how do you, how do you also make money? I had a partner sure. at the time who was like, you're going to, you're going to need to work as well. Yeah. And it was just this collaboration of ideas. He was in real estate yeah. um, or he was a home builder. So it was like, well, maybe so you, try real estate. Yeah. So my life like started shaping up from this, this point of I'm 20 and I'm going to be a mother. Yeah. What would a mother, what would a mother be like? Yeah. And you're marrying a 40 year old man. I was basically 45 at 20. I had mortgages. I was wearing Tommy Bahama selling real estate. The Tommy Bahama part, wearing a 20 year old woman <laughs> wearing Tommy Bahama is. Yeah. I mean, kind of any woman. Uh, I know. I, I had my tongue was pierced, and I just remember thinking, like, mothers don't have tongue rings. Yeah. And I took it out. Like, it just completely shifted. It was a 180 from whatever I thought I was. Yeah. 
And that's sort of what drove my direction. Interesting. And throughout real estate and having kids, I realized also like, okay, this isn't really my calling. I yeah. wasn't ever satisfied with it. And I always had this like pull to create and do more. Yeah. And I was constantly coming up with like different business ideas and they mm -hmm. had catchy little names and marketing mm -hmm. ideas. And I realized like in my mid twenties, Oh, I want, I want to be able to like market. Yeah. I want to do that, but didn't have at the time. You wanted to exist in between the space of idea mm -hmm. and having that idea connect to other people. Yeah. Yeah. I would like, I was at one point thinking I would love to be able to sit in the room with, when they're coming up with the advertising and the branding and, and all that marketing. And that's maybe something I would want to do, but it just wasn't possible mm -hmm. living in Hawaii. At least for me in my mind, it was like, that's not an option. So yeah. creating businesses that you could do that for, that I could do for myself. Sure. Yeah. was sort of like, I want to, yeah, I had like an Island. I had a business called Island bliss mm -hmm. and it was a um, spa corporate spa parties. Um, I had invented a running skirt. Interesting. I was convinced that, and, and at the time I had never seen one yeah. and I took like beach swimsuits. They're oddly popular now. Super popular. Yeah. I, I always, I'm like, yeah, I know you did that. Yeah. You did that about 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. The I just, I, they're not for me, <laughs> but they are for Westlake. Yeah. yeah. And they were definitely for me in my early twenties yeah. running so on Maui. Like, like you were like this conservative mom. Yeah. 30 years early. Yeah. It's really weird. I've become... Especially considering who you are now. That's what's been really interesting is yeah. I, I I don't want to say I've been regressing or <laughs> on a descent. It's the opposite. It's, I, I think when I found out I was a mother, I was like, you have to be this person. Yeah, you totally. have to look and be a certain way. And as they've gotten older, I've been able to sort of... I've been able to discover who I am as well. Well, I think that comes with... I'm, I mean, discovering the world when you go from, I mean, a certain portion of America to Hawaii, while all those areas that you lived in are physically beautiful, they lack culture. Um, yeah, but and I, so, I don't think it was even about culture. It was this mindset that I had that moms shouldn't look and be a certain oh, way, sure. yeah, right? Like totally. I just, I presented myself with that and that's certainly not true. And, and that's obvious no. now, like as I, well, I did roll into their school one year with a septum piercing. Actually, no, I picked them up at camp and I had pierced my septum and I'd shown up and picked them up at camp before with tattoos and that was fine. But the septum piercing was actually something they were like, can you not have that? So how do, how do you reconcile the existence? And I, and I, and, and I think it's, it's more interesting now than it ever has been between being a mom, being a single person and dating and having an online existence, both business and professional, right? Yeah. And then maintaining boundaries so yeah. that every section of that life is somewhat compartmentalized um, and doesn't infringe on itself, you know? Because I'm sure, you know, your kids being comfortable and not being like, I can't believe my mom said this is something that, you know, is... Where we are now is a very different place than where we started, much like sure. how conservative I used to be. Mm -hmm. I've started, I loosened up as the years went on mm -hmm. and there was a time where I was, you know, I had a lingerie store and yeah. sold sex toys and no shame in that. But I also didn't want my kids to, I didn't want to sit down and be like, this is what that is. Yeah. So totally. though they were around it and they saw pictures of like Nick saw women in lingerie every day on the yeah. walls and it just it didn't phase them. And I thought the more you normalize it, the better. Sure. And the more that I confronted other people's opinions about it, the more that I was like, I I don't want my kids to grow up thinking that way and to have to, yeah. you know, 
So I started to loosen up the more I faced other people's like pushback. Interesting. Yeah. And then I think the, what's been interesting about it mostly is just to watch how at one point Nick was very embarrassed where he was like, can you not tell people at school when he was in middle school? He's like, please don't tell them what you do. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can respect that. You don't want to know I have a lingerie store. What would you like for them to know that I do or think? And he's like, can you just tell them that you're in marketing? And I said, sure, because sure. I do that. Yeah. And I'm willing you know, to do yeah. that. But the school was calling me in to do like little Shark Tank presentations for classrooms and be on a panel and help yeah. participate in things. And he's like, and the school also was like, we don't want to say you have a lingerie store. Yeah. How do we, you know, how do we, how do we color this? Yeah. And I get that. Yeah. Um, but I think I also got tired of it and it was just more of this, I just want to be me and what does that look like while also respecting that I have kids and those boundaries and not embarrassing them. And that's been a really fun thing to explore because as they get older, they've, they've opened their minds as well, Yeah, which has helped me open up a little bit. And it's yeah. just been like this little give and take. You know, now Faith is asking for her septum piercing and I, of course, bring it back every time. I'm like, that's so funny. That's so funny you would want that. Yeah. Because you told me I couldn't. Um, now I want to tell you no. <laughs> so what's your stance there? I, as you know, with my kids, I, I only say no when, I re- when it's a hard no. Yeah. She has a nostril pierced right now, and I, I personally feel like that's a bit much. Yeah, you for both. sure have to choose one. I feel right? like one is enough. Yeah. Um, it's like, I mean, then you're just going to look like homegirl in Pulp Fiction. And, and, and just like people will be referring to you, by, you know, the girl with all the shit in her face. But I've been the girl, I was the girl in high school who had the tongue ring and the lip ring and the nipple rings and the belly rings and all the things. But only two of those things are in your face, to be clear. Right. And only one you could actually see at any yeah, given and, moment. And not two in your nose. Yeah. It's not uncommon, though, to no. see it. So I try to take my prejudices out of it. Good. That's big of you. And give her time to like really think about it. It's yeah. the same with tattoos. Nick's asking about tattoos and we've always been really clear on, you have to think about them for like six months to a year. Yeah. And some of them I'm telling them they have to think about longer just out of experience. That's a really good rule. It used to be when you're out of college and you're paying your own bills, you can talk to me about tattoos, yeah. but in, totally. there's just no way. There's yeah. no way in this day and age that like I could keep pushing that, totally. not because I'm covered in them, but they're going to go and do it. Yeah. So for me, it's just been about respecting their wishes and then also like again if I just keep saying no and they go and do it and then they do something really dumb and they're going to regret as opposed to kind of like you know um, what is it helping kind of guide them through yeah navigate their way through Mm -hmm. yeah but the marketing I've you know the marketing part right now for them because I speak so openly and honestly about things that I've been through Mm -hmm. what they don't want is necessarily me talking about what they're going through so we have some very hard lines and boundaries around what um, I talk about in regards to mothering and parenting and what they're going through. That's really cool. That's, yeah. that's, that's awesome that you guys actually like have gotten there and oh, navigated yeah. that. That's... Well, I've made a mistake before where sure. I've, I've talked to, I've vented on a story about something and, yeah. and faith, you know, was mortified. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't actually consider that. And I apologize. So let's talk about this now and, yeah. and what that looks like. And there's been times where she's come back and she said, we can actually, you can talk about that if you want. Yeah. Um, I think people think I have, I'm a completely that, open book about everything and there's a lot that goes on in yeah, our lives that we don't discuss. That's, that's so cool that there is like an ongoing back and forth about what is and isn't shareable because I mean, when you, when part of your identity is like, is communicating your private life, I mean, publicly and sharing experiences yeah. and sharing learning and sharing moments, yeah. um, 
you know, the fact that you guys have that is really special. That's really cool. Yeah, and I it try takes to, a lot of maturity on everybody's part. On everyone's part. You yeah. know, well, and you have to tread that line because when we don't want to talk about our past or our experiences, sometimes it's because there's shame there. Sure. And then other times it's because you're just still in the process. So yeah. I try to navigate that with them. Like, where are you in this? Yeah. And, um, and then also, how can I go through my experience while you're going through yours and not, I, you know, I'm not here to um, objectify yours, but I'm, yeah. this is what I do and what I have going on. Totally. So that part, yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, God, we're not, it's not as if we're like the Kardashians or something, but you would think that they think that they absolutely like, because <laughs> people know them in Austin or will see them or know yeah. me. So they're like, you've actually made a name here for yourself. Yeah. And, and I've, and I've made that really clear also, like as I've gotten older with media and marketing and who they are out in the town and representing themselves that they represent me yeah. as well as like, how I've raised them and who they yeah. are and they need to be mindful of who I am and yeah. how they show up on my part. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's a really cool thing to be transparent about. Um, I know I, you would think, like I said, it's like, as if I really think I'm somebody I'm not, I just want my kids to be really mindful of how, how they show up. Yeah, yeah totally. totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so getting back to business, yes. um, something that, you know, I think is, you know, very apparent is I think that, I mean, you and I have had this discussion, you know, offline a lot of times, but I'm curious where you stand on it today is what makes you completely uninterested in being an employee? Because I think, you know, throughout your whole journey, there's been a certain, you know, you work on your terms, mm -hmm. right? Like whatever the industry is, whatever you develop, whatever your process is, it's like, okay, I'm going to create this thing and this thing is going to be an expression of me, right? Yeah. And however it operates will be on my terms. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what about, I mean, because there is a certain like security that comes with being an employee and with having set hours and, and set income mm -hmm. and all those things that, you know, sometimes when they're taken out of your control, you know, you can have a lot less perceived, I mean, immediate stress in life, although inherently probably a lower ceiling of, you know, the variability of those things. Right. So what about that to you? has never made you say, okay, that's something that, I mean, that attracts me or something I'm going to at least like dip my toe into a little bit. For me, it's always seemed very limiting and controlling. Mm -hmm. I look back at school. I, I was just in so much pain sitting at the desk in a small room yeah. for those hours. Like it was a real struggle for my, um, for my sanity. Mm -hmm. I really hated it. So it was very natural when I got out of school to think like, what can I, do? I'm willing to go to college. I'll look at that. I, I wanted to, mm -hmm. but when I had an opportunity to not and go sit in a classroom, I was sure. like, yeah, if there's a way around that, then that's for me. And the few times that I have tried working for people, I've come away thinking I work really well with others, but mm -hmm. not for others. I just, I yeah. can't seem to, it's very counterintuitive to me. Uh, I, I, um, I took a lot longer to figure that out than you did, but, um, I, I think the, if you can drive the spirit of collaboration mm -hmm. um, and do it on your own terms, mm -hmm. right, then, there, then that's something that's really fulfilling, right? Yeah. Um, if you're having your feet held to the fire and the spirit of collaboration, yeah. it's a different experience entirely, right? Well, and there was this time where I was like, oh, I'm going to work for Starwood. I'm going to be a concierge. Mm -hmm. And it was actually a marketing job to get people to go on timeshare tours. And I felt like such a fraud. Yeah. And there's all these meetings and there was all... Like you had to do all this stuff all the time. And then you might not even get paid if you didn't have so many, like there's, yeah. there's just such 
a lie to me yeah. and a waste of my time. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was a waste of everybody's time. Like how many meetings do we need to really go to to be productive? Yeah. And I still look at that now and I'm getting better about it because I, I, as an entrepreneur or someone who's worked for herself, there are certainly things that I've not known how to do. Yeah. And there was a time where I believed you know, the more hours you work and the harder you work, the more successful you'll be. Mm -hmm. And that was very counterintuitive to, for me yeah. to like try to keep up with this pace that everybody else is on. Mm -hmm. And now the more that I sit and wait and really take my time, the more productive I am. I, yeah, I've, I've and more successful I've been like, it's I just, so crazy. yeah, it's really wild. Cause they're running a store for 10 years was something that, I mean, that beat me down yeah. pretty hardcore. And now coming out of that, I swear I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't work like that again. Yeah. And so just changing it. And it's, again, because society would tell you you have to work these many hours and you have to be at this pace and you have to do this and that and the meetings. And I'm like, it actually doesn't work for me. No, I, I don't mean, thrive in that setting at all. Even as an entrepreneur, I just don't. And if I have people working for me or with me, it just can't be that way. Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I mean, I think there are, there are times when, you know, like work is going to have to increase for sure. one reason or another. But by the yeah. same token, like there's... There is an inherent efficiency that you get by saying, I'm going to first tire myself out mm -hmm. and then expect increased productivity at the same time. Right? It's like it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's at best briefly sustainable. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? um, mm. I think what's really important in the beginning stages, you do have to work really hard to get your processes set in place, yeah. your systems. And that's you know, the foundation of any good business. So key. And those are things I did not do with Teddy's for Betty's. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've, I've actually seen you do that with your life coaching more, mm -hmm. um, which is to say like, well, actually let's talk about that, right? What was that transition like? And what was, so you quit Teddy's for Betty's, you stopped doing that. And, and then what was a period of time where you're like, okay, cool. This chapter is closed. And what was a period of time? Like, okay, I'm going to take X amount of time from, like that to, okay, I'm inspired to do this next thing. What was that process like? It actually started while the store was still open. Oh, so. Yeah, I knew go. it wasn't going to, we were, we, at one point I had investors and we mm -hmm. were talking about three to five stores across the nation mm -hmm. and we had gotten ourselves into a lease up at the domain mm -hmm. and then investors were like, ah, don't want to do this. And I was raising other capital and they would only sign off and it was just, it just it, became yeah. this shit show. And I was doing all the things that I'd did not enjoy about having a business, yeah. like raising money, talking to invest, sitting at meetings, all of this. And I was like, for what? Yeah. And I just knew at that point, I was like, this actually isn't going to work. The numbers aren't working. The rents are increasing. Yeah. It is not happening. And there's no way that I'm going to be able to have five stores across the nation and like represent that yeah. in a way that will be successful. Yeah. So as I mourned the loss of my business in front of me, knowing that I had, an, I had a staff that I needed to keep on and mm -hmm. I was paying them and not me, Yeah. but couldn't fathom shutting down at that time yeah. and calling it because I felt like they needed me. Yeah. So I spent probably two years oh my God. trying to keep it all together Yeah. and went through with the lease at the other store and, um, had just really had to get down to the the bear, like, what is it that you enjoy about this? Cause there was a moment I was like, Oh my God, what are you going to do without this? Like your entire identity is yeah. wrapped up in this store and this is what you're known for. And if it's not this, then who are you? Yeah. 
and it was depressing and it yeah. was scary. And I had to get really clear and honest with myself, like, what are you good at? Yeah. This has not all been for naught. Like, mm -hmm. there are things here that you've done well with. And it was the conversations in the dressing room. So, so incredible, that connection. I knew I was mm -hmm. really good at connecting with yeah. people. My openness, um, vulnerability, people have felt inclined to just share with me. Marketing was mm -hmm. always a great thing. Um, and there were a handful of other things. And so I just started thinking about those while going to my store. Yeah. And still like trying to, can I keep it going? What if I do this? So I was like, yeah. what if I have a podcast and mm -hmm. I start hosting workshops at Teddy's for Betty's and mm -hmm. there are these sex positive workshops and there's a podcast with conversations. And I was like, that's how we'll, that's a pivot. Yeah. Maybe we can keep it all going that way. Yeah. And then it just became more obvious the store part. It was like, you can't keep holding on. Yeah. And letting go of it was the final surrender. And when I knew I was letting go, I was like, I'm going to, I want, I want to, cheer on people. I want to yeah. like be an accountability person. I'm really good at that. And then I was just like, I want to be a life coach. Like yeah. it just kind of all came together that way. And that still took, so I started taking classes. I looked for different schools, signed mm -hmm. up while I was at the store mm -hmm. and I was going through training and doing it all at the same time. And it just organically ended up, I think almost a year into coach training, I was like, it's done. And I decided one day, I was in, actually in Oregon randomly, yeah. and I decided when I get home, I'm calling it. Hmm. And I made an announcement on Instagram. I was like, doors close in 30 days. You have 25 to shop. And we're done. And people came out in droves. They did. Yeah. And it was actually the first time on social media that I decided to start really calling out customers for who they were all those years. <laughs> and that was a ton of fun because people are dicks in retail stores. Yeah, totally. And I had really kept my mouth quiet about it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. I'm going out. I'm going out with a Love bang. It. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. But what I didn't realize when I closed it all down, even though I had a plan and I knew what I was going to do, uh, I, you know, one part of you just kind of thinks like, that's just going to start up. It's going to be great. It's yeah. Not gonna, there's, there's not going to be any in, any in between time because I've been preparing myself. And I fell into like a crazy, crazy depression. I mean, that's not entirely surprising given... I was know. floored by it. I still yeah. look back. I'm, it's when everybody went through the pandemic and having to stay home and be quarantined yeah. and not go to work, that crawling out of your skin feeling of mm -hmm. my normal day-to-day -day is this and now it's not. Who yeah. am I? What am I doing? I did not expect any of that. I thought I would be so relieved. Yeah. And when my phone wasn't blowing up and I didn't have emails and I didn't have sales numbers defining my day, I was like, who are you? Yeah. Like, what are you even doing with your life? Yeah. And... That took like a, that took a good year, yeah, a good year, and just kind of scraping to get clients because I couldn't quite. That's when I was like, maybe I should work for somebody. Maybe yeah. I'm not equipped to run a business. Yeah, I just didn't have it in me. Yeah, well, I I think what's interesting is that when you fundamentally say that okay, this isn't the thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, in my experience, and, and and it sounds like yours, you've already given so much to that that there is this inherent recharge. That needs to happen and yeah. this like inherent healing that needs to happen from that that is um i think it's something that we wildly underestimate i'm an accelerator <laughs> no but i mean it's like it's like yeah push, yeah. push, 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 push. okay yeah. this is done on to the next thing when you realize that you know the space between those two things needs to i mean that runway probably needs to be a lot longer than you would ever think oh you know? for sure um, i mean I, I i think it's incredible that you you know had all that up and running and and basically were i mean ready to immediately pivot i mean i, I 
I can speak for myself saying, you know, I mean, almost two years after I stepped away from, you know, my, my most, you know, momentous work as an employee of someone else, um, I think I can finally say for the first time that I kind of have it figured out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, which is to say, you know, that my actions reflect my priorities yeah. and that I'm doing what I love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's this, a hard place to get to. It's super hard. And no, there's no amount of validation on the outside that's going to get you there. I have people, they're just like, ah, oh, it's so amazing. You just like started a new business. Like you said you were going to do it and you're doing it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, that sounds really nice. It, <laughs> it doesn't it does. feel I, like that. <laughs> well, and, and like the nuts and bolts of, you know, the only like finger you can point is right mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. Um, is, it's not easy all the time. It's, 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 it's yeah. also great, but it's not easy all I the time. I think if I were to say like there has the external validation that has really hit home, mm-hmm. it has been the one from home because um, yeah. the kids have seen I mean, they, they witnessed me crying at the dinner table. Yeah. It was not pretty for a while there. Yeah. And they know how, like, I've... They know I've, the work you've done. Yeah, they've seen the work that I've done. And then yeah. I also, I just decided I'm not going to lie to you guys and sugarcoat what's going on here. Like, yeah. this is a huge thing. And if when you see your, your kids know what's going on. And you can try to lie that and pretend and act. Is like, but it's they're so, so intuitive and they're smart. Right. And I'm like, I'm not going to lie to them. Yeah. This is really fucking hard right now. And I don't think it's going to make it. Yeah. And I'm trying and I'm trying, but... I'm like barely hanging on this past year. Nick messaged me. And I think it was before the workshop I did with Kelly. Mm -hmm. He was like, mom, you're like really doing the damn thing. Like you said you were going to start this and you're doing it all. And to have that recognition for, because the people on the outside never saw what was going on on the inside. Sure. People to this day still don't know that it's closed. And the people who do are like, it was just such an amazing story. I can't, I just don't understand why you closed it. And I'm like, yeah. that's really weird. You came in like once every three years and yeah. rents and you know, yeah. I appreciated your support, but like it takes yeah. so much to run a store in yeah. retail. Also, if, if, if they had given you any support, you would have appreciated it more. <laughs> or also you would have known I was closed. Um, yeah. <laughs> but for, so for my kids to know, like they knew what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And so for them to like step back and be like, Oh, you're actually doing it. Yeah. Is, That's a really powerful thing as, yeah. as, as, as a child to parent. Um, I've been lucky with them. Well, I mean, we make our own luck. Um, <laughs> you're, so, you're like, well, it yeah. is like this. Though. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about, because I think it's something that, you know, we, we share. Um, and we talked about this the other day. What is it? Um, let's talk about being talked about. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, I think something that I've experienced... Um, for sure, more so in the past couple years, I think people inherently have, you know, I mean, interest in whatever a single person is doing as opposed to whatever a married person's doing as long as, you know. Uh, I want to know what all the married people are doing. Do we? <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, but I think there's this, in, in, I mean, you and I have, uh, have both experienced, um, you know, both people not close and very close to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say talking at a turn about our personal lives, but I think, you know, talking in a way that very obviously um, is, you know, revealing things that we never said was okay to reveal to, yeah. to third and fourth parties, right? Um, I was thinking about that. Well, there's And so I'm curious how you have gone about navigating that because I think it's something that you've, you've been dealing with for a lot, I mean, a little bit longer than me. Um, 
and something that, you know, when I brought it up the other day, I was like, man, this, this shit's fucking with me right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, I'm feeling some serious resentment and I don't like to live with that feeling, you know, because I know that if I'm, if I'm filled with resentment, like a, it means, it means a couple things, right? I probably need to look myself in the mirror and be like, mm -hmm. okay, like, what am I doing that's, it's actually making me feel this way. And then also like, why am I going to be friendly with people that keep doing that? Right? Yeah. And then I also, I'm like, why is it, do I, why is this really bothering me? Because if it's bothering me, then that means on some level, I believe it. That's a great point. Right. So That's a great there's point. a lot of questions that can be asked about it. Um, you know, when I had an affair, my ex-cousin-in-law, I don't even know if that's like a thing, she tweeted about it. Oh, God. And, and she actually does have a following, I will say. Like, yeah. she has a massive following here. And she was like, the owner of Teddy's for Betty's will fuck your husband. Don't shop there. And the threads just Love started... that family support, by the way. Oh, man, it was beautiful. Um, but this is what's great about people. So someone was like, oh, oh my God. I'm still waiting, by the way. <laughs> someone said oh my God, really? I never really liked her anyway. And then someone was like, this owner of that store, that's local. And then some guy was like, I've always thought she's really hot. Do you think she'd fuck me? Like, it was like that. And it was that part. I was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. But mean, but really but, I was yeah. dying. I was no, I know. dying. Yeah. I, I was in my room on the floor. Like it's over. You're over. I feel so lucky that, um, when I went through all of that, it was in another state and there was, oh, yeah. because I can't imagine what my life, specifically at that point in my life, because there was a spotlight on me that is, yeah. it, you know, about as bright as it's ever been. Um, that man. Yeah. I God, mean, I was like, God bless you. I was, God I would go down to my store and, and the wife knew. And I just was like, is there going to be a rock in the window? Is she going to show up here? Like, yeah. you know, I fucked up. Yeah. I fucked up and everybody totally. got to hear about it. And yeah. I lived with that. I didn't talk about that for a long time yeah. and other people were talking about it for sure. Like every mm -hmm. time I showed up an event and that other yeah. woman was there, she, she would let everybody know. Yeah. And when I met someone, she did experience that in a certain portion of my life. There yeah. was, there was an element of it. it. It made, it made things for me. Um, it just showed here's, these are the consequences. This is what happens. And totally. you like, living, don't do a bunch of shit that you don't, want a bunch of people knowing about. Yeah. Right? I mean, well, and it also is, I mean, talk about humbling. I would never, I will never badmouth or talk shit about anybody having an affair or doing it. Like it's none of my business. Yeah. She had a great time letting people know if, if she saw me in a picture with someone, she knew she would text them and be like, Hey, I just want you to know. God, that's fucking rough. And I get it. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't ever want to live that way. Um, and full circle seven years later, she actually got caught having an affair <laughs> But the best part was I somehow, I was so grateful to, to the universe. Somehow, gratitude. this is amazing. Hashtag Nashville strong. <laughs> I get this text from this. I saw one today, Waco is strong. And I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Um, I got a text from this woman saying, is this your bracelet? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what's so weird? And earlier that day, the guy, oh, yes, the, yes. Gu the guy had messaged me. He's like, Hey, I just, you know, it's been a minute since we talked. Just want to get your advice on some stuff. And I, yeah. and I thought I didn't want to respond to him. Cause I was like, I don't really want to talk to this person. He's kind of annoying. Yeah. And then I got this text about a bracelet and it, the bells just went off. I was like, right. Oh, oh something's going on here. Yeah. So I messaged her back. Hey, not my bracelet. I hope everything's okay. And she said, I'm so sorry. I, I got you mixed up with someone else. Um, 
my boy, it was at my boyfriend's. And so I text the guy and I'm like, looks like you're in some trouble. And then he tells me this girl was like stalking me all over town and showed up at this place and just started making out with me. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Um, who is she? You got the juice. Yeah. And he told me, cause we, we share a name. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Did you just say so-and-so? And he said, yes. And I was like, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah. She's hardcore. Like out. I out. want out. And he's yeah. like, she mentioned you. And, and then that's when I found out from the girl, the girlfriend, she messaged me and she said that the other Ashley had said, no, it wasn't me. You must think it must've been Ashley Kelsch. You have the wrong Ashley. And it had been her, so she even tried to like take her affair and Oh my me. fucking god! I know, and I was so upset because I was like, "How? Who, who passes how? the buck on an affair?" I was like, "You're such a monster!" But then, unbelievable. I, I couldn't be upset about it. I just, I was like, you know what? This is this. I'm just gonna thank the universe because, like, what are the chances that I ever would have found this out? And I always swore I was like, one day she's gonna go through something. Yeah. She runs around town talking all this shit about me. One mm -hmm. day she's going to go through some, or she's going to tell someone about my affair and she's going to say it to the wrong person, someone yeah. who's probably had an affair, yeah. which is almost everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to put her in her place. But instead sure. it was, she tried to blame me for this affair yeah. and it was her and her fiance found out and the woman found, it was this whole thing. Fucking mess. Yeah. So, you know, that's a good example of people talking about you and you're like, can you not? Can you not? Can you not? Fuck. God bless. God fucking bless. But I think oftentimes people are talking about me in a way that I'm like, wow, I'm living a way cooler life than, I mean, my life isn't what you think it is, but you guys talk about it in a way that makes it sound really interesting. I mean, interesting, um, is in the, I mean, is in the eye of a, of a bored person, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that, obviously that's, that's if you're sitting around talking to. about other people, like that in itself right there is just very telling, but I understand what you mean when we have friends that. Like we talked about the other day, I've, I've had friends share my sex stories with other people and no. that, you know, I've got to learn to maybe shut my mouth. Yeah. It's interesting learning who, who you like those little boundaries in friendships mm -hmm. are, are really interesting to me because on the one hand it, it doesn't like, it doesn't devalidate the friendship. It just says like, Hey, if I don't want 10 people knowing this one thing. Here's a couple people that I definitely won't tell that one thing. In my know? friend's defense. I share a lot of information. So, you know, like sure. it's, it's not unheard of me to be on my sure. podcast and be like, yeah. Hey, I broke quarantine. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. No. Um, but there are some, on that note. Yes. On that which note. that's me announcing it. Yeah. I broke quarantine. God bless. Thanks. Proud of you. <laughs> Long overdue. I know. And I, I, my delayed podcast episodes, it would make it seem like I was hiding something, but I was like, Oh wait, this is in real time. Yeah. That happened. So, I think what's really interesting about how dating and sex and flirtation and courtship and all of that uh, has evolved over the past, let's call it three months at this mm -hmm. point, right? Yeah. Um, is to say that I think we we're all very cautious at first. And there was just like, okay, like this consideration, which you and I talked at length about it, like, should you couple up with someone? You know, like, what does that look like? You yeah. know, and, and that's and, a big and, commitment, it turns out. It's a big something. Um, yeah. And, it is, um, and what I realized is that at least in Austin and in Texas, and I, and I think in probably a lot of the country that is starting to, um, you know, open up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people have gone from kind of, you know, kind of masks and gloves at the grocery store to just full fuck it mode. 
Um, and I yeah. think I think dating has oddly never been more dangerous because I think people are just I think people have totally let their guards down. Um, and I think you cannot, within a reasonable thing, assume anything about someone else's behavior at this point. Um, I think I think we're like I think it's like fucking Mad Max right now. Like, it's just, like, a bunch of people out in the fucking desert just, like, <laughs> fucking everybody and, like, stealing everybody's water to fucking survive. Um, uh, maybe give me the directions to your desert. Um, I'm not seeing any of that. Yeah. And I'm pretty great. There's Tom Hardy and fucking, I mean, Shirley I'd Sarah. get down out there. Yeah, I'd get down. But I, I feel the impression I'm getting, and I keep making this joke, is, like, the, the boomers and the zoomers... Mm, the boomers and the zoomers, I like that. Are kind of like, whatever. And yeah. we are sort of in the middle, like, whoa, hey, yeah. is that safe? Should we? Should we not? Yeah. Um, and even that, I'm actually realizing, I think there's just this, I think we want to say that we're concerned. I think we want to say we want to be safe and that mm -hmm. we shouldn't be doing this or that because we don't know all the facts and we don't know what to do and when is it going to end. But I also think we're all very human. Totally agree. And I think, I think here's the thing, right? <laughs> I think that we can all say, that we have human needs yeah. and a want to connect. And I think that's super valid. Um, and I think, frankly, necessary to our happiness. I think what isn't valid is fucking 20-person boat party is just fucking pouring rosé all over fucking tits, you know? What? And that is, like... That's stuff I wouldn't have heard about before either. Like, that's just not my life at all. But, uh, but it's like this, 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 like... Like, that sounds dangerous anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, and... and and so I, I was I was talking I mean to someone else about this earlier, um, and it's really interesting to me how this like how health has somehow become political, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like it's it's this like politicized choice of you know am I going to go out or not? How many people am I going to go out with or not? And I, am I going to wear a mask or not? You and, know, it's interesting to hear you things. say that because as a woman, our health, our reproductive health, has been politicized for so long. Right, so the irony of all of it is nothing short of fucking tragic. Yeah, like it's a fucking, it's a very sad joke. It's a very, very it's, sad joke. It's really interesting. I don't, I like we talked about before. I think people who want to have sex and date are going to go out and do that in the way sure. that they did before. I don't think that this pandemic or COVID situation is an ego shatterer. I think people are still very much like, sure. they're like, oh, it's not going to get me, yeah. and and they and it likely won't. Yeah. You know, like if you're healthy and in that age range, you maybe you'll get it, but it's not going to kill you. Yeah. You'll probably get an STI before you get it. Sure. Like, um, again, we've talked about this so many times. My, I'm still approaching dating the same way I was before, which is yeah. like, I don't feel like fucking around with everybody. Mm. So this is making it even harder to, totally. to find Maybe to someone spend time. to spend time because sure. there's also just so many other question marks where you're like, oh, if I'm looking to date to meet somebody and my plans were to meet somebody because my kids are graduating and maybe they're going to be going off to college and now I have room in my life for that. Well, I don't even know if my kids are going to college and if they're going to be living. So God. it's like, it's just kind of like, how do you really even plan? And I think for me, it's just staying open mm -hmm. and not putting too many restrictions around yeah. what that could look like um, in yeah. dating. I mean, the inherent experience of like going out. I I, I went out to dinner. Um, oh, where'd you go? Where do you think? June's first guess. She's right. Date. Um, oh, hesitation. No. A lady. No. Um, no. It was it, it it was it was a a friendly business meeting. Um, like, what does that mean? Like we had known each other for a long time, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and decided to just like 
like talk shop for a hard couple hours. Okay. Um, which was really cool. Yeah. You know, for sure. like great fucking conversation. Um, and, and it didn't end in sex. It did not. Um, and the June's experience was from a culinary perspective. Mm -hmm. Great. Mm -hmm. Like super consistent. Everything that I would expect from there. Like it was like fucking nothing had ever happened. Right. Mm -hmm. And then from every other part of the experience was like, man, I feel weird being here. Mm -hmm. You know, like the mask and the glove thing was noticeable. The, you know, it being an empty restaurant was noticeable. And did you keep your masks? Oh, there, cause they're wearing masks and gloves. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and you know, and I, and, and I think it's, it's, it's really hard to like, can't blame a restaurant operator or, or general managers or owners about like, I think we got to do that shit, you know? And it, yeah. it's, it's, it's this really weird gray area of basically this person by person basis of how comfortable are you willing to feel or how uncomfortable are you willing to feel and what risk are you willing to take? And it's certainly not a sexy setting, so we can start there. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, I think the thing that it reminded me of at the end of the day is how much I miss sitting down, sharing food and connecting with other human beings, mm -hmm. regardless of the context or mm -hmm. whatever that is. Yeah. Um, that to me is, is, is something that is very, very, very appealing, you know? Um, and, and I missed that. What I also realized simultaneously is that I'm now super open-minded, even more open-minded than I ever have been in the world to discover new ways of doing that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't feel limited to restaurants to explore that. And I see what you're saying. Cause I did go to a restaurant this weekend and, mm -hmm. um, I felt uncomfortable. I don't yeah. want to say where I was. It wasn't yeah. even in the state. That's probably part of the reason I it had was, all these prejudices around it. I it was, was like, Texas Roadhouse, wasn't it? I was like, if I was going to go to a restaurant for Texas, the first time, I would have liked to have been at this one where I'd feel more comfortable. Yeah. And I know this and that and all the other bullshit mm -hmm. that comes with my thinking. Yeah. And and I wasn't in that. And they were like, sir, can we get you something? And I was like, great. I hate my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what the but it, fuck am I doing here? But it was sort of this moment of like, ah, I would feel so much better just being home with my family right now, I cooking know. dinner and having a conversation and not having to ask for the salt and pepper or, oh, you can't bring me the ketchup and yeah. you can't do this because of that. And like, it really so has like well, shined a light on that, right? Reminding you of how abnormal or how safe they're having to be because of this thing that mm -hmm. no one wants to talk about, which is this elephant in the room. Totally. So yeah, it just takes away any sort of fun or intimacy gathering connections, like, all of it. It, 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 it's constant. Like it, I found myself constantly examining the nuts and bolts of how they were having to operate because of all this. Right. And like, part of that is just like me, like loving inside baseball shit. Right. Yeah. Um, it's but part life. of it is just something that inherently on some level, everyone's going to fucking look at cause it's so different. Right. Do you think it's going to go back? Like, what are you hearing? Cause you're in the, you're in the, um, I think that the prevailing knowledge is that we're going to have to work through this for a while with masks, with masks and the, the, our best case scenario is masks and another round of this, but not having to drop occupancy and just kind of treading water for a long time. That's the best case scenario. And then the worst case scenario is any number of degrees that you want to speculate from there. Right. Um, on a lighter note, <sighs> please. Um, so two of the TV shows that we watched the most when we were dating, yeah. Um, was a succession, which I turned you on to, mm -hmm. and Big Mouth, which we discovered together. 
um, which I believe Faith turned us on to, right? No, I think you had mentioned it to me. You had discovered it one night. You're like, we have to watch this. And so when you came over, <laughs> you came over and then all those kids came over. Oh, that's fucking right. <laughs> Fuck. That was amazing. It was amazing. All those really high kids. <laughs> we were all high, basically. There's, there's something to be said about just being in a room with really stoned 16-year-olds and just knowing that they're stoned and them knowing that you probably know that they're stoned, but we're all not going to say anything. Look, I'm also going to say what's not being said is that we just had like the craziest sex. Yeah, fucking wild, dude. And didn't know they were coming home. Yeah. And they came home. And yeah, right after like, we came. Everybody had come. Yeah. And I was like out of my mind, out of my fucking totally. mind. And then we put on Big Mouth and yeah. half of our friends were mortified yeah. that adults were watching that. And uh -huh. the other half were like, you're the coolest parents I've totally. ever met. Yeah. Literally so mortified that they went to the other side of the house. The other yeah, not even in our, like, didn't want to hear it, didn't want to see it. Yeah. And I was like, yes, the less of you that are in here, the better for me, too. Yeah. Uh, love that show. I still, I'm only, like, on season two, though. You really need to power through it. Yeah. I, I know you heard this, this thing that, like, season two and season three aren't as good. Um, I think they're all on the same level. Wait, I heard that about I ride for Riverdale. All of them. Seasons one and four, but two and three not so great. I just heard that this weekend from Faith. Riverdale. I didn't know that about Big Mouth. We, uh, yeah. Well, God bless. I remember that specifically. Um, I think the, uh, I think the remark was it just gets a little crude, which it certainly does get a little bit more like, but I think that's also in our wheelhouse. Um, it's always difficult for me when someone is selling me on something and they're like, it's, it's good. It's, you know, you just wait it out until season this five. This, yeah, it's like. And I'm like, I have spent how many hours of my yeah. life waiting something out to get yeah. good? You got to like. If I'm not hooked in three episodes, you've failed. Better Call Saul, you've like really committed to that. I... Knowing it, you weren't enjoying it that much until like another season. I have to say that that, I blame myself as a viewer. I think my taste in television hadn't evolved to understand almost, how brilliant that show was. I almost reference it, but it's like me in a relationship. I'm like, oh God, this season two and three is terrible, but five and six yeah. have been really good. See, so, yeah, like, seasons why? one, five, and six. <laughs> like, what am I yeah. doing yeah. during these other seasons? Seasons of love? <laughs> okay, so. so. Okay, so the questions I had for you, and this is, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up here with like a lightning round situation. Um, so I think we both enjoy specifically the characters on these two shows. Yes. So I, I wanted to ask you on Succession, which character <laughs> do you view yourself the most similar to? Or if you were to be in that world, who, who do you think you would be in that world? Uh, you know, it's so hard, number one, because on so many levels, you're like, I relate to all of them. In some yeah. Way. But then on the other hand, I'm like, I can't relate to these people on any level. I totally. I do not like understand that life of yeah. money and wealth and power. Yeah. Now, all that being said, um, I feel like I'd be a Greg. <laughs> because I don't understand it, and I don't power play. Yeah. And I would just... For I just the record, want, Greg does start to power play. He starts to yeah. once he gets in, but yeah. him getting in is like foot and mouth, super awkward. Or or in his case, throw up in, uh, in bear helmet. Totally. <laughs> is it a bear? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Just watching him navigate that is yeah. so awkward, and I'm like, that's totally what I would be yeah. like in those situations. I would love to say I'd be like Shiv, but I just yeah. am not that. 
I'm not like her at all. And then yeah. I, for a second, I was like, would I be like a Logan? Yeah. Building my dynasty and keeping my kids all around dependent yeah. upon me. and. But also being a complete fucking sociopath to your fucking children. Yeah, that's when I was like, I can't even pretend that yeah. I'm being anywhere near that. Yeah. I'm definitely not a Kendall. Oh, God. you. Mm-mm. I don't even know where to start there. No. Uh, so, yeah. Also, the rapping scene in the first episode of Kendall. Like, you don't realize how funny it is until you watch, like, the first season and you go back and watch, you're like, oh, this is fucking this is, precious. This is the best. Yeah. Um, Connor's girlfriend. Yeah. That's, that's heavy. One. That's another one where I'm like, yeah. mm, well. Similarities. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this writing. The word girlfriend is a, a word that evolves in that show, by the way. It's pretty it's, funny. Yeah. Uh, my favorite line still is probably, like, you don't, do you hyper decant? Yeah. <laughs> Vita mixing the wine. You can take up 10 years and 50 seconds. <laughs> or maybe it was 50 years and 10 seconds. And I was yeah. Like, oh. 100%. I didn't that. 100%. Yeah. All right. What about Big Mouth? Okay. So Jesse, probably based on the girl hanging out with all the guys. Yeah. Like, I think really that's very. Especially awkward. Yeah. As it like, didn't get it. Didn't yeah. Didn't want to get it. And then ends up dating like the, the wrong guy. Yeah. Um, but I'm always thinking like Hormone Monster. Yeah, I I think Jesse becomes when she like finally like embraces her sexuality, it's like there. Oh, she does right? it before 30. Good for her. Yeah, God bless. <laughs> um like when her hormone monster really kicks in, it's like <laughs> it is fucking golden. Also the fact that her um and Nick end up having what? the same hormone monster. What? Spoiler alert. Now you're like getting me intrigued. That's compelling. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Nice work, Paige. Right. And now you're going to dive into season two tonight. Mm-hmm. Who, who are you on Succession? Um. <laughs> you're all today. <laughs> After a weekend with my son. Hmm. I mean, I would fancy myself a Culkin, but I'm probably Tom. Oh, wow. That dynamic with Tom and Greg is kind of the best. Look at us, Tom and Greg. Our chemistry is amazing. (laughs) We have the best chemistry. Yeah. We confused it in the beginning. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what about on... um, I just forgot the name of our... Oh, fuck. What's what's Jason Matsukas' character again? The... What season is he on? He's on the whole thing. Jay? Jay. I'm totally Jay. That's the one I said that I just leave. That yeah. I end up dating. Yeah. The worst I'm yet. totally fucking Jay. Look at you. Yeah. Look at yeah. Yeah. Mostly back. because I fuck my bath mat. His little baby pillow. Has a baby with the pillow. Totally good. It's amazing. It's amazing. Which also Succession has. Oh, it's not a pillow scene. What is it? He gives him the contract in the bathroom and he like stuffs it into the toilet. Yeah. And tries to flush it. Oh. Yeah, the bathroom freak out is also amazing. Yeah, well, good shit. Renegades, thank you for tuning in this week. If you're enjoying this podcast, let me know. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and show it with a five-star rating and review. You can also head on over to my website, www.modernrenegades.com to sign up for my newsletter, leave your questions and comments, or just connect with me directly. I look forward to hearing from you.